We have been talking now for the last six weeks or so about this theme of forward progress. How is it that we actually move forward? How do we get unstuck when we find ourselves stuck in life? What are the things that God would say, hey, here's a step you can take. Here's a way you can do this. What are the big principles that guide us in this? And, and how do we get unstuck? So uh, we've looked at the life of the Apostle Paul for some direction. We've looked at the life of Abraham. We've looked at the life of Moses. Um, and today we're going to continue to do some digging. And, and you're immediately, when you, when you hear what we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching on this morning, you're going to go, oh, I could actually just turn the sound off. Maybe I'll put my ear pods in and listen to some music because I know this passage. I don't really need anybody to preach it to me. But let me invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms. And I want you to go to Psalm 23. And uh, this is uh, probably the most well-known and beloved poem in the history of the world. Most people uh, in the West can recite Psalm 23 by some version by heart. You at least have heard it many, many, many times. There's something about this psalm that just stirs the heart and touches our lives and and so you're, you're going to be thinking, well, you know, I know this psalm, I've read this psalm, I've appreciated this psalm, but I want to encourage you, we're going to think about this psalm in a different way today. We're going to think about it in terms of this picture that we've been painting about what does it look like to be people who are making forward progress. We've been talking about that in terms of walking with God, and Psalm 23 is a six-verse synopsis of what I've been saying for six weeks. So I guess God is actually a little brighter than I am because he got it in six verses, what it's taken me six weeks to say. Let me read it to you. And uh, you may have it memorized in a different version. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of of the Lord forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I, I want us to walk through this psalm together very quickly. I could, I, I, I'm, I'm strongly tempted to preach about a 10-week series on this psalm, but I'm going to pass that opportunity for now, and instead, I'm going to spend about the next 20, 25 minutes just going through the psalm, and I want us to think about it, perhaps in ways you haven't thought about it, because it's so familiar to you that you're just used to it, and it goes in one ear and out the other. If you know what I'm talking about, you, you can... Uh, you can be driving in your car and a, and a song comes on the radio that was big when you were in high school and you used to dance to it at the prom and, and all of these words are just in your mind. You know the songs. How come you don't know what you had for breakfast? But you know every word to a Rolling Stones song from 1971. Why is that? But, but 
you, you hear it. I find myself, when I listen to those old songs, I find myself singing along at the top of my lungs, and then every once in a while I go, oh my gosh, what did I just say? I, you know, because you're not paying attention to those words because they're so familiar to you. So I want us to just slow it down for a second and unpack this psalm together. It begins with three words. And you know what? If you have these three words, you pretty much have what you need. The Lord is. The Lord is. Remember when Moses had his, uh, had his conversation with the Lord at the burning bush and, and he said, they're going to ask me what your name is. What's your name? What did he say? I am. You see, there's something about the eternal presence with God, this God who exists out of time, that, that long before you were ever conceived, you were in his mind, and long after you've gone from this earth, you'll still be in relationship with him. He is, he is, he always has been, he always will be. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last, the one who was and is and is to come. That's our God, and if we never got further than that in Psalm 23, we'd be all right. The Lord is, but then it gets personal. The Lord is my. It doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. It says the Lord is my shepherd. This is where it gets personal. He loves you. He knows you. He is intimate with you. He cares about you. He watches over you. And everything that a shepherd does for a sheep, he does for you and so much more. So the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what is a shepherd? Um, I mean, most of you probably didn't uh, feed sheep before you came to church this morning, right? We're, we're not used to sheep. We're not this agrarian society that uh, this... David was a shepherd, right? David wrote this psalm. David was a shepherd. So he had this intimate knowledge of what a shepherd does. So let me just unpack it for us city folk who are not so sure what it is that a shepherd does. First of all, a shepherd provides for the sheep. A shepherd makes sure that the sheep have everything that they need. A shepherd protects the sheep. That's why he carries a rod and a staff. It is not for disciplinary purposes nearly so much as it is to protect the animals from those who would attack them. He's a provider. He's a protector. He is a healer to the sheep. When they're injured, when they're hurt, when they're sick, he steps in, gives them what they need. He is a guide to the sheep. Sheep are the dumbest animals on earth. I say this every time we talk about sheep because the Bible's always talking about sheep, and it always calls us sheep. And, and God doesn't mean that as a compliment, friends. When God calls us sheep, he is talking about the fact that we are utterly dependent, that left to ourselves, we will mess up everything. And sheep are the most helpless creatures on earth. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have a, a, you know, a pointy tail that they sting you with. They don't have scales to protect them. They are like a, a walking, wool-covered Big Mac. <laughs> like, that's the deal. And, and so, and, and by the way, they're incredibly stupid. So they get themselves into all kinds of trouble. So a sheep without a shepherd is literally 
doomed. The Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, it says, I shall not want. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have any desires. It means I shall not be without anything that I should have. The Lord will not allow me to go without that which I should have. Now, let me be very clear. Here's what I said. That which I should have. I'm just going to admit right here in front of everybody, there's some things I want to have that I should not have. And so God doesn't promise that he is going to give us everything that we want to have. That's not what it means when it says we shall not want. It means that we will not be in need of anything that we should have. The Lord is my shepherd, and therefore I shall not want. He makes me lie down. You ever thought about that line? He, he makes me lie down. God will force you to lie down. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> right? You've been there? The, the Lord sometimes will force us to slow down. When, we, when we're going full speed and, and he says, no, you need some time on your back. The Lord will sometimes give us that time that we're not asking for. He loves us too much to let us run out of strength. He loves us too much to let us operate on our own strength. You know, uh, the, the Sabbath is this concept that most people are like, don't know what to make of. Here's the general principle. God created you. He made you. He knows what you need. And he says that you need regular rest as a part of the routine of your lives. Now, we live in Southern California. We never rest. Rest for us is traffic on the 210. <laughs> and, and God says, no, no, no. Th there's going to be some times I'm actually going gonna, gonna to make you lie down. And in the, in the context of a shepherd... Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we know Jesus' famous parable about the, the sheep that wandered off and the good shepherd left the 99 and he went and got the one. Because when they're together and they're protected by the shepherd, they are safe. But any sheep off on its own is going to get devastated. And don't forget, we're sheep. Some of us, some of us, you know, we're just sort of wired in such a way that we're like, I just, I, you know, I'm sick of the church. I'm sick of hypocrites. I don't want to be around people always getting in my business and these people don't even act the way they say they believe, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to, I'm going to do my Jesus thing on my own. Guys, you can't make it on your own. We need to be with the shepherd. We need to be with the sheep. And, and as you probably heard, preachers love to tell this, but it's true. If, if there is a young lamb or a sheep that keeps wandering off, some of us are prone to wander, amen? Elbow the person next to you. Some of us are prone to wander, and God says, I'm going to come after you, but if he's constantly having to come after you, you know what a good shepherd does? He breaks the leg of the sheep. You, you know that famous painting of Jesus, the shepherd with the lamb around his shoulders? That's what a shepherd does. Breaks the leg of the sheep and then carries it until that leg heals. Develops this close relationship where the sheep learns to trust the shepherd. He will 
make us lie down. Let me give you another animal illustration. In parts of the world where they use camels regularly, camels are used as pack animals and, and even as transportation, but particularly as pack animals, a camel is unbelievably strong. It's a huge, huge, tall animal, and it is unbelievably strong, and it's able to go for days and days without water. It's an, it's an incredible uh, design by God to be in these desert regions. And what they do when they're traveling by a uh, camel caravan is they load all of the luggage on the backs of the camels, right? And they, they will load them up suitcases and trunks and, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of stuff on the back of an animal. And then they travel, and when that camel has been carrying that kind of weight for that long, and they finally get to where they are going, and they need to get all of that uh, luggage off the back of the camel, sometimes the camel will not bend down. It's too high to get. You can't, and the, and, the, and the master says to the camel, kneel, and gives it its command, and the camel looks at it and goes, no, no, I got this. So what does the master do? You take a, a crop or maybe even a, um, a small branch. He begins to whack the camel behind the knees. And the camel just takes these shots behind the knees until finally it's on its knees. And when it's on its knees the master can roll the burden off its back. Some of us need some time on our knees because we're carrying burdens that God never intended for us to carry, but we're so used to it, we're so comfortable with it, we're so accustomed to it that we don't like to bend the knee, and God says you're going to have to bend your knee, and he will make you lie down. But at least when he makes us lie down, he makes us lie down in green pastures. That, that's a picture of provision. It's a picture of tranquility. It's a picture of peace. It, 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 it's a place of rest. God makes us lie down in the right place to rest. And, and, uh, and he does it by quiet waters. It says he, he leads us by quiet waters. Let me tell you something else about sheep. Sheep are so stupid and so unable to take care of themselves that if you bring a flock of thirsty sheep up to a babbling brook, they will not drink because the water is moving. And the moving water terrifies them. And so they will stand there and look at this water and shiver and not drink. You have to have quiet waters or sheep will not drink. They'll die. So why do they need to be with a shepherd? Because a shepherd knows where the green pastures are. The shepherd knows where the quiet waters are, right? And the sustenance comes, sustenance comes because the shepherd leads us to those places. And why does he do it? For the sake of restoring our souls. It's a fascinating way. I, I thought of this this week. Fascinating way to think about the COVID season that we're coming through. I mean... We just got forced to slow down. We, we, were, we were forced to say no to all the things that we used to say yes to, and I didn't like it, did you? No. And, and now I, I think, I think, Lord Jesus, please, I think, 
I think we're, we're coming out of it, right? And, and, and you know what we want to do? We just want to fill our lives back up with all this stuff. And I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to offend anybody. But let me just say something. Some of the stuff in your life doesn't need to be in your life. Too many of us are walking around on our own strength. We're unwilling to lie down. We're unwilling to drink from the quiet waters. We just go, 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 and we wonder why we're running out of gas. You see, walking with God is not about God using you to get stuff done. Again, shocking newsflash, God don't need you. God's going to get his stuff done with or without you, it is a privilege, it is an honor, it is an invitation that God invites you to be involved in the things that he is doing. And too many of us are, are walking around unwilling to slow down at all because God is calling us to rest. But a lot of us think that that rest should be uh, resisted. And we don't realize he's doing it to restore us. The problem is that some of us are willing to rest, but what we call rest is not what he calls rest. We want to rest in front of the TV. We want to rest while we scroll through the internet or the social media and all that kind of stuff, and a lot of what we're taking in is just garbage. We want to we rest at the bar. We want to rest at the club. Uh, and yet we wonder why our soul is not being restored. We actually only find our rest in Him. In Him. We've been talking about this. Remember that when, when the Scripture talks about Jesus being the way, he, it's not talking about uh, directions. It's talking about He is the actual way. It is with Him and in Him. We are, we are fed in Him. We are provided for in Him. We are protected in Him. Stop trying to find rest in things that do not rest your soul. When we walk with Him, He leads us in the paths of righteousness. Another translation that I like says, he will lead me in the right path. And, and, and we've been talking about this a lot, this idea of a path. Listen, God is not going to mislead you. He is not going to lead you to destruction. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If you walk with him, you will not be led in the wrong direction. He is the way. If you walk with him, you will not be led into deception. He is the truth. If you walk with him, you will not be led into death, for Jesus Christ is the life. And it's all for his name's sake. I'd like to remind us all of this regularly. It ain't about you. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your reputation. It's not about your wishes. not about your preferences. Your life is found in him, and it's all about him and his glory, and his honor, and his renown. And as long as you try to make it about you, you're going to keep coming up empty and wanting more. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are added unto you. Now, so far, this psalm has been nice and encouraging. We got a shepherd. He, 
He meets our needs, provides for us. He gives us rest and restoration. He, he protects us and guides us. But then in verse 4, this psalm takes a shocking turn. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wait a minute. What happened to the green pastures? What happened to the quiet waters? Lord, I was just starting to trust you. I was just getting to where I felt like I could just walk behind you. And man, there's green pastures, there's quiet waters, there's protection against attack. And all of a sudden I look up and we're in the valley of the shadow of death. What was I following him for in the first place? What's he leading me here for? I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. And let me just tell you something. This is not theoretical for David. This is not just beautiful poetry. By this time, we believe that he had already buried four of his own children. Think he knew something about the valley of the shadow of death? By this time, he had buried his best friend, Jonathan. By this time, he had watched hundreds, if not thousands, of soldiers with whom he was comrades die at his side on the battlefield. He knew something about the valley of the shadow of death. He knew grief. He knew the fear that comes with it. He knew the confusion that comes with it, the disillusionment, the not understanding what God is doing. And, and he knew what it was to cry out to God and not hear God's voice coming back. And so he says, he leads me into the shadow of death. I guess what we need to take from this is that the path of God is not always easy. And, and I, let me just apologize on behalf of preachers who have presented the gospel of Jesus Christ as if it meant that your life on earth is going to be easy if you just say yes to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. You know what Jesus said? If you want to come after me, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's an instrument of death. The path of God is not always easy. Sometimes it's an uphill climb. Sometimes it's dark and stormy. Sometimes it's hard to understand what God is doing and why God would lead you into a season like this in your life. But somehow David was saying that he could walk through even the darkest valleys without fear. Why? For thou art with me. Because God was with him. You guys, it's not about the darkness of the valley. It's about the presence of God. Wow, that is good. I'm going to say that again. You should write that down. That is good. That's a quotable quote. It is not about the darkness of the valley. It is about the presence of God. I don't have to live in fear because God is with me. I don't have to understand all the circumstances. God is with me. Remember, God doesn't send you into a dark valley and wish you good luck. He leads you into the valley. He guides us into the valley. He takes us into the valley this God who loves you and wants the best for you has power over everything still sometimes chooses to take you by the hand and say come on let's go into a very dark place he leads us into that valley by his choice some of you are walking through the valley right now you know exactly what David was talking about but I want you to know something the good shepherd is with you. He sees where you are. 
He didn't leave you and send you there. You don't have to fear. He's, he's carrying a rod and a staff for a reason. He is your protection, even in the valley. That's the tools that the shepherd uses to protect and provide for a sheep. God is with you even in the darkest times. You are not alone in the valley. The good shepherd brought you there, and he will not abandon you there. Because it says, I walk through the valley. You notice it doesn't say, even though I walk into the valley of the shadow of death. It says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means I'm not going to stay there. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. It means that I am not going to be stuck there if I stay with the shepherd. The good shepherd leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not going to keep you from having dark days. He's not going to keep you from suffering and struggling. But he is going to be with you. He is going to protect you. And he is going to take you through it. The terrible tragedy is that so many people find themselves in that valley and the fear grips them and they abandon God in the valley. They assume that if I'm going through a hard thing, God must not be trustworthy. And so let me just ask you to think about your own life if you're in a valley. Have you taken matters into your own hands? Are you walking your own way or are you holding the hand of the shepherd? See, fear, he, he says, I will not fear. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. God gave us fear. The emotion of fear is meant to serve us. It's what makes us jump back when we hear a rattlesnake rattle. It's what makes us stand back from the edge of the cliff so we don't slip and go over. God wants fear to serve us, but fear, like so many other emotions, which is a gift from God, here's what they have in common. They make wonderful servants but terrible masters. Fear is never meant to be our master. Guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have one Lord and his name is Jesus. Fear doesn't get to be your Lord. Worry doesn't get to be your Lord. Doubt doesn't get to be your Lord. Jesus is Lord. It goes on in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Your enemies are not going to destroy you if you're making forward progress with the Lord. Instead, the day's coming when they will stand back and watch the blessings of God poured out in your life to the point where it says, my, he, he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Uh, oil poured on the head, the picture, the symbol in Jewish life of God's blessing. And, my, and it's not a little bit, it's not a sip, it's not a taste, but my cup overflows flows this whole psalm is amazing but i especially like the way it ends with verse six surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and maybe you memorized in the king james as a, a younger person surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I like that word. It, it, I think we have a better grasp of it than, than necessarily loving kindness, which is not a word that we use much. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You see, people have gotten this 
backwards. We have a tendency to chase after goodness. We have a tendency to chase after mercy. We just can't seem to attain it. We just can't seem to get it. We're, we're chasing after it. And there's all kinds of unfulfilled people that are just going like this after goodness and mercy, chasing after it. But you guys, that is not what the Bible says. I'm going to illustrate this for you. I need a couple guys. Michael, Bo, will you guys come up here and, and help me with this real quick? Um, I, I want you guys to see this, okay? Come on up on the platform here. Um, so, so this is Michael and this is Bo, but, but we're going to call him goodness and we're going to call him mercy, okay? Because what does the Bible say here? The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I am not chasing after goodness and mercy. In fact, if I take off, goodness and mercy will chase after me. And no matter how far I go, no matter where I run, no matter how far from uh, safety I get, goodness and mercy, they just keep coming after me. And goodness and mercy are going to chase me all around. And no matter what I do, it just seems I can't get away from the goodness and the mercy of God because God's goodness and mercy chases us, will not let us go. The mercy and the goodness of God. All right, thanks. Whew. Glad I didn't do that back when my heart was all messed up. God's goodness and mercy is after you. God's goodness and mercy will not relent. God's goodness and mercy insists on having a place in your life. And you can chase after the things the world has to offer, but God is chasing after you. And then the scripture says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? Forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your journey on this earth is short, but eternity is forever. You're never going to make progress on your own. The only way to move ahead is with the good shepherd. You're never going to get unstuck on your own power. You have to bend the knee so the burdens can be rolled off of you. You have to allow the good shepherd to provide for you. You have to stay with him in the valley of the shadow of death. And surely his goodness and surely his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What else do you need? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and get prepared to lead us in worship. I just feel like it is so appropriate for us in light of the truth of this amazing psalm to just, to just stand to our feet, lift our hands and our hearts and give praise and honor and glory to God. So let's stand. I'm going to pray and then we're going to turn it over to these guys and they're going to lead us back into the one who is the source of our goodness and mercy. Father, we say thank you. We say hallelujah. We say you are good. 
You are perfect. You are holy. You are everything we need. Forgive us, God. We admit it. We're stupid sheep. We get it. Help us, God, to stay with you, for we know that you always stay with us. Thank you that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.